podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 22nd of August. Hope you're all well. Weather update. Muggy. It's just a bit muggy out. Anyway, moving on. We had one game in the Premier League last night as Arsenal beat Crystal Palace 1-0 at Selhurst Park through a Martin Odegaard penalty. Uh, Arsenal did play the last 23 minutes plus stoppage time with 10 men after Tomiyasu was sent off for a second yellow card. Um, 
I'm being told I should be very impressed by Arsenal. I'm being told I should be very impressed by Declan Rice. I mean, why? Rice was decent last night, don't get me wrong. It was a you know a decent 7 out of 10 performance. But he did get skinned quite badly in his own penalty area and what could have very easily ended up in, in, in a penalty for Crystal Palace. I didn't feel like Arsenal were able to hold control of the game after the Tomiyasu sending off. And yes, they were playing with a man less, but given their, the nature of how they play... Arsenal should still be able to control the ball. And Rice was part of why they couldn't. Because he was taking up poor positions. He wasn't making himself available. And he was making the wrong decision at times when he got the ball. There was moments in the first half where he was very good. Clearly, he's enjoying playing in this Mikel Arteta system. But let's be honest about Arsenal now. They've had a very easy start to the season. Nottingham Forest at home, Crystal Palace away. With respect to those teams, they're bottom half teams. They're not finishing in the top half of the league this season. And that first game against Nottingham Forest, Arsenal were very, very fortunate to win the game. And last night, they were very, very fortunate to win the game. Because the Arsenal penalty was given for a foul on Eddie Nketiah by Sam Johnston. Now, the the act of the foul is definitely a foul. It's definitely a penalty. However, when Nketiah makes his break to go for the free kick, and the ball has slipped into him, there is a very clear foul on Jeffrey Schlupp by Thomas Partey. And Schlupp is the man who would go with Nketiah. He is very clearly fouled. The penalty should not have been given. If they don't get the penalty, I don't know that Arsenal score last night. They had 14 shots, the same as Palace, but only three on target. Eddie Nketiah did miss two big chances. But Arsenal didn't create a whole lot last night. Not a whole lot of good chances in the game. And remember, this is a Palace team missing Michael Elise, who's their best attacking player. Him and him and Eze. He's one of their three best players, those two and Dakuri. So for Arsenal, just very, very fortunate at the moment in how the schedule has broken for them and who they've played. And obviously they get Fulham next, that's a win. Then they play United at home, that should be a win. Then they play Everton away, and again, that should be a win. Although, Sean Dyche might just get things going by then. After that, things will get much harder. Much, much harder. And we'll really start to see what the Gunners are made of in late September, especially when the Champions League starts and they have to start rotating players. Then we'll see what they're worth. For now, I remain unimpressed by this team. They do move to third in the league. Uh, They joined Brighton and Man City on six points each. City have had the most difficult start in terms of the teams they've played. 
Brighton have been the most impressive team thus far. And Palace stay in mid-table. They won their first game and they get the defeat here. So that is the state of play in the Premier League. Brighton top, City second, Arsenal third, Brentford fourth, Liverpool fifth, Tottenham and West Ham sixth and seventh, Newcastle, Villa, Forest, Palace, United and Fulham, eighth through 13th, all on three points. Uh, Bournemouth and Chelsea both have one point apiece. And Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley, Wolves and Everton have no points. Luton and Burnley have only played one game. In terms of the winners and losers from this weekend, uh, the first big winner is Brighton, who continue their hot start to the season. Another 4-1 win. Another exhibition of this phenomenal football that they're playing and a real a real show of ruthlessness because they were the better team first half but then he went in 1-0 up and they came out in the second half and they put the game to bed within 10 minutes now if you go back and look at last weekend they didn't show that same kind of ruthlessness until Luton pulled one back. They seem to be almost toying with Luton. Luton get one back, and then Brighton put the foot down. Adingra scores, and then Ferguson scores to make it 4-1. In this game, they came out for the second half and just went for the throat of Wolves. It was very, very impressive to see. So Brighton, undeniably, the first winner for me. Second winner, it's got to be Spurs. First home game under Postacoglu, first competitive home game under Postacoglu against United, a team who have generally had their number over the years. Even when United were fairly middling and Spurs were quite good, you never really fancied Spurs against United. But this was a great result for Tottenham. Postacoglu's football is a triumph. I think it's going to fit right in below De Zerbi's football as the most attractive football in the league. Because I I think there's too much kind of built-in stuff in the Guardiola-Arteta template. A lot of what they do is automations. They're pre-designed plays. There's more freedom in De Zerbi's football and in Ange's football. Players are given a little bit more, a little bit more credit for what they can do. Um, Papi Matar Sar scoring the goal. I think he's going to be a big player for Spurs this season. When they signed him a couple of years ago, he had a huge reputation, very very highly regarded, and it's taken him a bit of time to get settled at Tottenham. Taken him a bit of time to start making an impact. Last season we saw flashes. But early season here, he's earned the trust of the manager. And him and Basuma was a very, very good pairing. And I really like that Spurs team. I do think they need an upgrade on Richarlison in terms of a nine who'll get them the goals they want. But the back four, individually, I really like each of the players. Collectively, it'll take some time for them to gel but there's promising signs. 
the midfield two, Matarsar and Basuma, you've also got Heusberg still there. He may or may not leave. You've got Ollie Skip. And let's not forget, you've got Bentoncourt to come back into this, this mix as well. Kulisevsky, Madison, Sun. That's a really good line. And if Sun can have a bounce back after a poor season last year, that'll be promising. You've got Manor Solomon. You've got Giovanni Lo Celso. If, you, if they decide to keep him, he could be a backup for Madison in that 10 position. And I would be hopeful that they'll keep Brian Hill. I think he's having surgery, isn't he? And it remains to see what they do what they do after that with him. But I would keep him as a backup to Kulisevsky. He's only 22. He's hugely talented. Hugely talented. And then you get a nine who can be your backup to, or who can be your starter, and you've got Richarlison as the backup there, can also play either wing, do a job as a 10 if you need them to. I don't think Spurs are all that far away from having a really good team. I think people are sleeping on them. I don't think they'll get top four. I don't think they'll get top four. I think they'll just miss out. But it wouldn't surprise me if they got top four. And my final winner for this weekend has got to be West Ham. Very, very impressive. Um, Given... They've had a poor summer. They haven't gotten the players in they wanted. We're late in the window. They're still scrambling to get deals done. Like a lot of clubs, to be fair. But they had the advantage of selling Declan Rice early on. Now, maybe they thought, well, if we wait long enough, people will forget that we have all this money. Uh, Nobody forgot that they had it, but they've started to spend it now. Um, I think they'll be improved once Alvarez gets to the team. I'll never be a fan of Ward-Prowse, but I do like Mavroponis when he comes in. They took the game to Chelsea early on, got their lead. Then Chelsea took control, but they were able to keep them out. And that's all you can really ask. And then they punished Chelsea. They punished the weaknesses. The things Liverpool couldn't do last weekend, West Ham did. So absolutely one of the winners of the weekend. Uh, My losers of the weekend... Chelsea are going to have to be won. All that money spent, and it just—it's a shambles. They're—they're not—they're not a football team at the moment. Um, Everton are going to be the second here to get pumped four nil away to Aston Villa, having lost the opening game. It's really, really poor. And my final loser of the weekend is going to be Fulham. You get beaten three nil at home, and you sell your best player. You've got a lot of work to do. You really do have a lot of work to do between now and the end of this transfer window. You've got to go and find a striker. You've got to find a source of goals because there won't be enough goals in your team otherwise. Now, on the plus side, you did get Joe Polina back um, from injury, but uh, things don't look great. Don't look great. No Mitrovic is going to be a problem moving forward. And when you're losing 3-0 at home to a Brentford team that... let's remember, is missing Ivan Tony. That's that's a concern. Brentford, I've been really impressed with thus far. Uh, so there we go. Winners and losers. Winners, Brighton, Spurs, West Ham. Losers, Everton, Chelsea, and Fulham. 
Um, we might as well take a dip into the lower leagues and see what took place in match week three. Leeds United nil, West Brom. Sorry, Leeds United won, West Brom won. Uh, Brandon Thomas Asante gave West Brom a 1 0 lead. Luke Ayling equalized. Um, I do look at that Leeds team and I look at their bench, which is left short and is pretty much all kids. And I do wonder what exactly is taking place at that club this, this summer. It, it's all a little bit strange. Um, but there's still a lot of talent there. So, you know. Wouldn't be writing them off anytime soon. Plymouth 1, Southampton 2. Nathan Teller put Southampton 1 up. Ryan Hardy equalised for Plymouth. And Che Adams scored a last gasp winner to allow Saints to continue their good start to the season. Uh, Blackburn 1, Hull 2. Harry Pickering, the Blackburn left-back, sent off on 16 minutes. Blackburn did go one up through Sam Gallagher on 74 minutes, but Aaron Connolly in the 81st and 88th minute giving Hull an away win. Middlesbrough won, Huddersfield won. Dale Fry own goal on 47 to put Huddersfield one up. But Hayden Hackney, who is my choice to be the best player in the championship this season, equalised on 61 minutes. Uh, Swansea won, Coventry won. Matt Gooding put... Coventry won up on 39, but Jerry Yates equalised two minutes later. Sheffield Wednesday nil, Preston won. Liam Lindsay with the only goal of the game. Sunderland two, Rotherham one. Hakeem Odifin putting Odifin? Odifin will go with. Put Rotherham one nil up on 20 minutes. Job Bellingham, younger brother of Jude, obviously, in the 22nd and 52nd minute. Uh, Bristol City nil, Joe Bellingham's former club, Birmingham 2. Uh, Koji Miyashi and Lucas Zutkovic with the goals for Birmingham. Robert Dickey sent off for Bristol. Uh, Leicester 2, Cardiff 1. Aaron Ra- oh sorry. Uh, Wanya Markel Madiv- Madivadua. We're going to call him Wanya. Wanya put Leicester one up on 36 minutes. Uh, Aaron Ramsey equalised just before half time. Cesare Caicedo in on loan from Chelsea, scored in the 96th minute. And Malin Romeo sent off for Cardiff in the 90. Sorry, Caicedo scored in the 92nd minute. Romeo was sent off in the 96th minute. Uh, QPR nil, Ipswich won. Connor Chaplin with the only goal of the game. Stoke won. Watford won. Andre Vidigal with the only goal there. And Norwich three, Millwall won. Uh, Jonathan Rowe, Josh Sargent and Ashley Barnes had given Norwich a comfortable lead. Ameku with the consolation for Millwall. So at the top of the table, you've got newly promoted Ipswich, with nine points, and recently relegated Leicester with nine points. Then Birmingham, Norwich, Southampton and Preston all have seven. Hull and Stoke have six. Watford, Coventry, Plymouth, Blackburn, West Brom and Bristol all have three. Sorry, all have four. Uh, Sunderland, Millwall and QPR have three. 
Swansea and Leeds have two. Cardiff, Huddersfield, Rotherham and Middlesbrough have one point. And the only side to start the season with three defeats from three is Sheffield Wednesday. So hopefully the Owls can get their act together quite soon. We move on. We'll go to League One. Uh, Bolton nil, Wigan four. Northampton won Peterborough nil. Barnsley won Oxford three. Cambridge two, Bristol Rovers nil. Reading two, Stevenage nil. Charlton two, Port Vale three. Carlisle nil, Exeter two. Wickham nil, Burton Albion nil. Portsmouth nil, Cheltenham nil. Blackpool nil, Leighton Orient nil. Shrewsbury nil, Lincoln City one. Derby County 1, Fleetwood Town 0. So Cambridge are top. They have nine points, as do Bolton, Peterborough, Oxford and Stevenage. All five with nine points. Pompey have eight. Exeter, Lincoln and Port Vale have seven. Derby. Blackpool, Shrewsbury have six. Reading, Bristol Rovers have five. Barnsley, Northampton and Wickham have four. Charlton have three. Wigan have two. Though Wigan, of course, would be top if not for the eight-point deduction they began the season with. Wigan are, as things stand, the best team in this division but they sit 19th because they started the season with eight points less than everybody else. Uh, Carlisle also have two. Fleetwood, Cheltenham, Leighton Orient and Burton all have one point. So Wigan have overcome their deficit. They're already outside the relegation spots. And if they continue this form and everybody else continues to be inconsistent, as is the way in the lower leagues, Wigan could well find themselves in the playoff spots after just 10 games. And from there, they'll be in with a great position, or a great chance of securing promotion and giving two fingers up to the people that docked them eight points after everything they've been through in the last couple of years. Uh, on to League Two. Tranmere three, Salford four. Quite the uh, quite the game at Prenton Park. Uh, Crew two, Walsall two, Forest Green nil, Newport County three. Can't even blame Big Dunk. Morecambe three, Bradford nil, Crawley nil, Gillingham one, Doncaster one, Notts County three, Colchester two, MK Dons three. Grimsby 1, Mansfield 1, Sutton United 0, AFC Wimbledon 3, Stockport 1, Barrow 0, Atkinson Stanley 2, Harrogate 1. And then in the most mental game maybe ever, Wrexham 5, Swindon 5. So Jake Young puts Swindon 1 up. Charlie Austin makes it 2-1. Jake Bickerstaff makes it, sorry, Charlie Austin makes it 2-0. 
Jake Bickerstaff makes it 2-1. Then Dan, Dan Kemp makes it 3-1 to Swindon. And Jake Young makes it 4-1 to Swindon. And that's half time. Elliot Lee makes it 4-2 on 51 minutes. And James Jones makes it 4-3 on 55. But then Dan Kemp makes it 5-3 on 71 minutes. Then James Jones scores in the 92nd minute to make it 5-4. And Elliot Lee scores in the 96th minute to make it 5-5. Wrexham had only 48% of the ball. So Swindon had more of the ball. Swindon had eight shots, six on target, scored five goals. That might be why Ben Foster decided to retire. With their 48% of the possession, so less of the ball, Wrexham had 28 shots, 12 on target. 28 shots is ridiculous. 12 on target suggests that even though he conceded five goals, uh, Mr. Mahoney, goalkeeper for Swindon, didn't necessarily have himself a stinker. Uh, the table is as follows. Gillingham are top 12 points. The only perfect record outside of the Premier League and the Championship. Obviously, three teams in the Championship also have a perfect record. Um, MK Dons second with nine points. AFC Wimbledon third with eight points. Hopefully, Hopefully, AFC Wimbledon can keep the pace. Um, it would be a horror if MK Dons were promoted and AFC Wimbledon were not. Accrington Stanley, Salford, Barrow, Morecambe, Crawley and Notts County all have seven points. Notts County, what a start to uh, life back in the Football League for them. Uh, Mansfield, Crewe, Newport, they all have six. Swindon, Grimsby and Wrexham have five. Stockport, Walsall and Bradford have four. Tranmere, Sutton, Harrogate and Forest Green have three. Doncaster have one. Colchester have none. Colchester and Swindon have only played three games, so they've got one to make up at some point. Um, Most goals in the division, Wrexham with 13, and most goals conceded in the division, Wrexham with 13. And just let me bounce back through the divisions. Has anyone scored more goals? Okay, nobody has scored more or conceded more in in League One. And they shouldn't have in the Championship because they've only played three games. So it would be a surprise if anyone scored more than 13 yeah, nobody has. So Wrexham have scored and conceded the most goals in all of English football this season. Uh, on to the National League, because we might as well, because we did last season. Uh, they're also in match week four. Uh, Chesterfield won, Oldham won. Maidenhead United won, Dagenham and Redbridge nil. Solihull Moors three, Dorking Wanderers nil. Gateshead four, Ebbsfleet United one. Kidderminster nil. Bromley nil. Player sent off for both sides in that one. Altrincham won. Boreham won. Boreham surely one of the favourites to go up this year. Uh, Wheelstone three. Filed. Field two. Don't know that team. I assume they're newly promoted into this division. 
Um, Barnet 2, Woking 0. Halifax 1, Oxford City 1. I'd like Oxford City to get promoted because I'd like to see Oxford City and Oxford United have a, an actual bit of a rivalry. Uh, Rochdale 2, Eastley 0. Aldershot 1, York 1. And Southend 2, Partly Pool 3. Now, let me just confirm that Field were not in this division last season. They were not. Yeah, so I'm not losing my mind. Them and Oxford City uh, promoted into the division. Um, Barnet are top with 10 points. Solihull Moors and Chesterfield also have 10. Hartlepool of 9, Wheelstone of 8, Gateshead, Maidenhead and Halifax all with 7. Southend, Altrincham, Rochdale and Ebbsfleet with 6. Borehamwood and Kidderminster with 5. Always had a soft spot for Kidderminster Harriers because I like the name and also because Jan Mulby managed there years ago. Uh, Oldham, I'm going to go with Field. If I'm wrong, please do correct me. Woking, Aldershot, all have four. Eastleigh and Dorking have three. York, Bromley, Oxford City. Oh, York and Bromley have two. Oxford City and Dagenham and Redbridge have one. So I might be waiting quite a while for my for my Oxford versus Oxford battle, unless Oxford United... Um, drop into non-league I, I'm probably not going to see that and you know they'd have they'd have to fall quite away obviously um, for that to take place considering they're a league one team um, where will we go next I suppose we'll go to France match week two uh, Mets two Marseille two Marseille went one up Mets went two one up after going down to 10 men, but then a late Vitinha goal equalised. Uh, Leon won Montpellier 4. Lacazette scored and was sent off in that one. Um, Toulouse won PSG 1. Not a good start to the season for PSG. Not a good start at all. Two games, two draws. Uh, I don't imagine there'll be many people overly impressed. Kylian Mbappe scored a penalty. That's the only goal PSG have scored in the league so far this season. Uh, Mbappe didn't start the game. He came off the bench, as did Usman Dembele. Now, I'm sure in weeks to come, this PSG team will start to to really hum, because I do think there's going to be a hell of a team here. You've got Donnarumma, you've got Hakimi, Marquinhos, Schrinier, and Lucas Hernandez is a back four. I think that's going to be really good. In midfield, you've got Warren Zaire Emery, Manuel Ugarte, and Fabio Ruiz. Zaire Emery is very, very young to be playing every week, so I'd imagine he'll drop out in a couple of weeks, but he is an incredible talent. Ugarte is a brilliant ball winner, and I really like Fabio Ruiz. Is it a an earth-shattering midfield? No, but it's very, very functional. It's very, very functional. And then in attack, you're going to have Dembele, Ramos, and Mbappe. Right to left. And that, that, my friends, is the potential to be one of the best forward lines in Europe. So for all the mocking of PSG, they might actually end up with a hell of a team this year. Now, depth might be an issue, but 
once they get things going, I expect they'll just, I, I think they're going to be a bigger threat in Europe than people make them out to be. As long as Mbappe is locked in. Um, Lille 2, Nantes nil. Jonathan David back amongst the goals. Reims 2, Claremont foot nil. Uh, a win for Will still. And his new look Reims team, which I think are going to be a lot of fun this year. So keep an eye on them. Uh, Laurent won, Nice won. Le Havre won, Brest two. Monaco three. Chelsea reserves nil. Is that what we'll call them, I suppose? Uh, Taki Minamino with two goals. Wissam Ben Yedder with the other. Um, Strasbourg lining up with a couple of Chelsea players involved um, and probably some more to come later in the window as Chelsea try to, to manoeuvre some salary off the books. Uh, Lens won, Ren, two, Ren won. Ugh. Lens won, Ren won is, uh, is the final game there. League table, Monaco and Brest top. Both of them have six points. Ren, Montpellier, Lille, Marseille and Toulouse all have four points. Reims and Strasbourg have three points. Nice, PSG and Laurent have two points. Le Havre, Lens and Metz have one point. And then Nantes, Lyon and Clermont Foot with no points. Lyon are an absolute train wreck. Uh, into Spain we go. Mallorca, nil, Villarreal, one. Gerard Moreno with the goal there. Valencia won Las Palmas nil. Pepelu with a penalty to give Valencia a win. Um, Real Sociedad won. Celta Vigo won. Uh, Oscar Manguiza with a late, late equaliser for Celta Vigo there. Almeria won Real Madrid three. Two for Jude Bellingham and one for Vinicius. After Real had gone one nil down. Um, Osasuna nil, Athletic Club de Bilbao two. Uh, Inaki Williams scoring for Atleti. Uh, both sides of the man sent off. Uh, Girona three, Hitafe nil. Yanhel Herrera scoring in that one. Uh, Christian Stuani getting two. Uh, Barcelona two, Cadiz nil. Uninspiring from Barcelona. But Pedri in the 82nd minute and then Ferran Torres in the 94th minute, giving them their victory. Um, yeah. Real Betis nil, Atletico Madrid nil. Very, very dull game. Alaves four, Sevilla three. Uh, Sevilla scored very, very late to put a bit more respectability on the scoreline, but Having gone 2-1 up, they then just got plundered for 15 minutes either side of half time and found themselves in a big old hole. Um, Granada nil, Rio Vallecano 2. So, league table, Real, Rio Vallecano and Valencia all with six points. Girona, Atleti, Barca and Betis all with four. Alaves, Osasuna, Villarreal, Athletic Club, and Cadiz with three. Real Sociedad, Las, uh, Real Sociedad with two. Las Palmas, Mallorca, 
Celta Vigo and Atafe have won. Sevilla, Almeria and Granada have no points. Syria kicked off this weekend, so we will go there next. Uh, Frazanone won Napoli 3, 2 for Victor Osman, who begins the season looking ready to absolutely conquer the world. Uh, no Kvice Kvaracchelia for Napoli at the weekend, but he is expected back soon. The Napoli team does not look as strong as last season. Obviously, they lost Kim Min Jae, but there's just it, there's a it, they didn't feel like they had that same confidence. A big part of that, of course, is that they're now managed by Rudy Garcia rather than uh, rather than Spalletti, so he's not quite the same caliber of manager. Uh, Empoli nil, Verona won. Genoa won Fiorentina 4, not the beginning we had hoped for, but probably the beginning we deserved. We were 4-0 down before we scored. Uh, Inter 2, Monza 0, 2 for Latura Martinez. Sassuolo 0, Atalanta 2. Charles de Ketelier with his first goal for Atalanta, having joined a week ago. And Nadir Zortea with the other. Um, Would expect the... Atalanta team to change quite a bit in the coming weeks with a couple of players leaving, a couple of coming in and some of the players have already come in starting to claim positions as their own. Roma 2, Salonatana 2. Roma went 1-0 up to Trubaletti. Candrava scored 2 to put Salonatana 2-1 up and then Belletti scored late to give Roma a share of the spoils. Lecce 2, Lazio 1. Lazio went 1-0 up through Chiro Mobile. But Lecce scored two goals in the last five minutes to claim victory. Udinese nil, Juventus three. Chiesa, Vlahovic and Rabio with the goals. It was all over by halftime. And Juve cruised to victory. Torino nil, Cagliari nil. And finally, Bologna nil, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, AC Milan. AC Milan two. Uh, Olivier Giroud and Christian Pulisic. Um, scoring the only goals there. Where did Real Madrid come out of? Anyway, to the Bundesliga. It also kicked off at the weekend. Werder Bremen nil, Bayern Munich four. Harry Kane is off the mark with his first goal for Bayern. And that Bayern front four does look potent. Sané, Musiala, Coleman. And Kane, it looks like it will do a lot of damage this season. Bayern as a team look they could look like they could do damage. The one area I don't like is I don't like the centre back pairing. I don't like Upa Meccano with Kim. I don't like the lift with Kim either, though. I also don't like the midfield pairing because there's no ball winner in there, and I think they'll struggle in Europe. However, the Bundesliga, I think, will be a procession again this season. Um, Wolfsburg 2, Hoffenheim 0. Jonas Wind with both goals there. Hoff- Wolf, who did I say? Heidenheim, sorry, not Hoffenheim. Heidenheim. Hoffenheim 1, Freiburg 2. Uh, former Liverpool legend Ozan Kabak with the goal for Ho- Hoffenheim there. Oldsburg 0, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Sorry, I am, I am, I must be high today. Augsburg 4, Borussia Mönchengladbach 4. Uh, Gladbach went 2-0 up. 
then 3-1 up, then fell behind 4-3, and then needed a last-minute penalty to get a point. Uh, Stuttgart 5, Bochum 0. Very, very good result for Stuttgart. Uh, Leverkusen 3, Leipzig 2. This was the game of the weekend. Um, Frimpong put Leverkusen 1 up. Ta put them 2 up. Donny Almo pulled one back. Florian Wirtz made it 3-1. Luis Upenda scored his first goal for Leipzig to make it 3-2, but Leverkusen hung on for victory. Dortmund won Cologne 0, a late Daniel Malin goal. Union Berlin 4, Mines 1. Uh, Kevin Behrens with a hat-trick in that one. And Eintracht Frankfurt won Darmstadt 0. Randall Colomuani up and running for the season. Um, there's no point in doing the tables when there's only been one game, so we won't do it like we didn't do uh, Italy. It will go to Portugal, though. Uh, Casapia won Sporting 2, two goals for Paulinho. Vitoria 2, Gil Vicente 1. Chavez 2, Braga 4. Portimonense 1, Boa Vista 4. Benfica 2, Estrella 0. Tengstead and Rafa Silva with a late goal. Estrella Perea 2, Rio Ave 0. Porto 2, Ferenz 1. Tony Martinez and then a very, very late Ivan Marcano winner. Vesula 2, Aroca 2, Familiquia 0, Morinens 0. Bovista top, Sporting Porto and Vittoria joining them on six points. Aruca and Familicao on four points. Uh, Estoril, Gil Vicente, Casapia, Braga, Benfica and Rio Ave all with three. Vicela, Morenens with one. Estrella, Chavez, Farenz and Porto Menenze, Porto Menenze all on no points. So there we go. That is us around the leagues around Europe. And off to break. I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So, uh, Pep Guardiola is to miss the next two Manchester City matches, having undergone minor back surgery. Um, Guardiola had been suffering with what City said was severe back pain and travelled to Barcelona for an emergency but minor operation. Uh, he will miss the Sheffield United and Fulham games. Um, so Juanma will take over and they should be absolutely fine. Gary Neville has criticised the handling of the Mason Greenwood investigation. He said it has been horrible and lacked strong leadership. Uh, it was clear from day one that he wouldn't play for Manchester United again. Well, it was clear that the club wanted him to because the club are, well, not not the best people, you know? Um, but yeah, it was always clear that he shouldn't play for United again. Um, Jeremy Doku is set to sign for Manchester City for $55.4 million. I think that's very high for Jeremy Doku. He's very talented. Very, very talented. But he had four good months last season after two and a half years of disappointment at Ren. Now, Ren will be thrilled because they've made 
a significant profit on what they paid when they brought him in. He's not your typical Pep Guardiola winger either, which is something that could be quite fun to watch because Pep does well with wingers. But Doku is different to the other types of wingers that he's had. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. Interesting, his preference is to play left side, which is also where Jack Grealish plays. Um, I assume he's being signed to play right side. Or maybe Grealish is going to play more centrally as a 10. Doku left and Foden right. Should be interesting. Uh, Bernardo will be better in that 10 role than Grealish, but you know. Uh, Sky Sports have apologised for insensitive comments made about Sean Dyche's clothes. Um, commentators Bill Leslie and Andy Hinchcliffe compared him to someone who oversees gaming tables at casinos. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he was dressed very simply, white shirt, dark slacks, uh, dark tie. He was wearing a black armband for the young Everton fan who passed away while working on the club stadium, Michael Jones. Um, yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm sure the, the comments we did upset some people, but I, I don't think they were made with any badness behind them. Um, Carney Chukwemeka will miss the next six weeks after undergoing knee surgery. He got hurt in the West Ham game, having scored for them. Minor setback, but he says he'll be back soon. Uh, Newcastle have signed Lewis Hall on loan with an obligation to buy for $28 million plus $7 million in further add-ons next summer. So he joins now, gets tune around there, gets tune around their um, FFP issues for this summer. I think this is a brilliant signing. This is one of my most favorite signings of, of the summer. I love what Newcastle have done on, uh, at both fullback spots. Now, I assume he's going to play left back because they've been looking for a left back all, all summer. <clears throat> Lewis Hall on the left, Livermento on the right. I, I genuinely think Newcastle could have something special with these two lads. Garth Crooks has done his team of the week. Uh, he's gone for Ederson. Not really sure I agree with that. He didn't have much of anything to do in the Newcastle game. Uh, he's gone for Kyle Walker. Again, didn't have much of anything to do. He's gone for Romero and Saliba. I, I'm, I'm on board with both of those picks. He's gone Foden who was outstanding. Zabozlai, who was outstanding. So we know at least he watched the City and Liverpool games or he read about them, which is more likely. He's gone Solly March because he scored twice. Billy Gilmore was the best player on the pitch in that game. And he's gone Matoma because he scored the spectacular goal. Billy Gilmore should be in the team. No question. Um, He's gone with Diaz. He's gone with Vissa and he's gone with Sterling. Do I have an issue with any of them? No, no issue with any of them been in. I'm just trying to think, is there anyone more deserving? I don't think there is, to be fair. Sterling was just electric in that game. 
Such a shame his teammates let him down. Um, we will move on then to the final portion, which is the gossip. Uh, there's a Jeremy Doku is the first bit here. West Ham agreed an 85 million deal to sell Lucas Paqueta before the transfer collapsed because he's being investigated for potential betting rule breaches. So West Ham obviously knew this was coming. And now West Ham have had a request to postpone Lucas Paqueta's formal interview with the FA over allegations he breached betting rules granted by the governing body. Mail Sport has learned that Paqueta and West Ham were informed of writing, sorry, informed in writing of the investigation believed to be in connection with suspicious betting patterns linked to bookings at the middle of last week. Uh, The FA advised that they wanted to interview Paqueta on Monday with the player understood to be happy to attend. However, the Hammers immediately applied for Monday's scheduled meeting to be delayed, a request which has been accepted by the FA. There is some concern at West Ham over the processes linked to the FA investigation, which is being played out publicly without any formal acknowledgement from the FA. The postponement application allows the player and the club more time to understand what lies ahead. No date has yet been set for Paqueta's interview, but his omission from the most recent Brazil squad due to the allegations means that the next international break could arrive at an appropriate time for the player to speak to the FA. Meanwhile, it can also be revealed that West Ham had agreed a deal in principle to sell Paqueta to Manchester City for $85 million before the transfer collapsed as a result of the investigation. So did West Ham know that this investigation was coming and agree to sell him, thinking if we can get him gone before this breaks, it's City's problem and not ours? That doesn't read well for West Ham. doesn't read well for Paqueta. Maybe the club think there was something to it. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. That seems like it could be quite hard to prove. But I suppose, obviously, if there's any... They can check. If they, if they can get access to his bank records, perhaps there's money to be found somewhere. Um, Bayern Munich and Liverpool have shown interest in Calvin Phillips. At this point, I would take him. Brighton are close to completing the signing of Lille's 19-year-old Cameroonian midfielder, Carlos Beliba. He is outstanding from what I've seen. West Ham have had a 30, have made a £35 million bid for Dominic Solanke. That makes no sense. He doesn't score nearly enough goals. But then Moyes doesn't really like a number nine to score his goals, does he? Paris Saint-Germain still hope they can convince Kylian Mbappe to extend his contract with the club. West Ham are in talks over Sevilla's Yusuf N. Naziri. Now, him I do like. Um, Arsenal have no intention of letting Gabriel leave for Saudi Arabian club Al-Ittihad. Fulham face competition from Everton and Nottingham Forest to sign Callum Hudson-Odoi. How has nobody taken a chance on him yet? So talented. Fulham are ready to challenge Tottenham to the signing of Gift Urban. That would make sense. Chelsea remain in talks over... Arsenal's 22-year-old follower in Balogun. Um, this is Steve K, isn't it? Yeah, so it's horseshit. So we'll just put that 
to bed straight away. Uh, Lazio have reopened negotiations with Tottenham over Hugo Lloris. Tottenham are preparing a bid for Nordeljand. Nordeljand's 19-year-old Ghanaian forward, Ernest Nuama. Nuama? I think it's Nuama. Who is also wanted by West Ham, Burnley and Brighton. Uh, Ren are keen on securing a return for Naif Agard. Don't see any possibility in that happening. If he's leaving West Ham, it's going to be for 40 or 50 million, and it certainly won't be going back to Ren. It'll be to go to a top club. Um, Evan Ferguson is on Arsenal's radar for next summer with Tottenham put off by Brighton's 100 million valuation. Uh, this is spoofing Jack Talbot, um, the twitchy fella. And uh, there's absolutely no chance that Brighton will sell him for 100 million. He's a number nine. He'll be 19. They're going to want a lot more than that. They're going to want a lot more than that. I think he's at Brighton for the next couple of years, personally. Aston Villa have expressed an interest in Nuno Tavares. It's all coming from spoofers. Brentford have made inquiries about Leeds 24-year-old Colombian winger Luis Sinistera. Manchester City are close to agreeing to agreeing new contracts with Bernardo Silva and Kyle Walker. Liverpool are awaiting the outcome of discussions about Ryan Gravenberg. Jesus Christ. Uh, Middlesbrough are sorry, Middlesbrough. Manchester United are keen to sign a midfielder and goalkeeper. They do need a backup goalkeeper because the assumption is that that um Dean Henderson will leave. Um they should sign Ryan Gravenberg. That's the midfielder they should sign. Uh, Mason Greenwood is set to look for offers in Turkey or Italy after leaving Manchester United. I think Turkey might be his best bet. Uh, United have agreed to sell Noam Emeron to FC Groningen. England's women's manager, Serena Weigman, 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 I don't know, uh, will be in the frame to become the coach of the Netherlands men's team when the post becomes available. I really don't think she will. I think she's a really good manager. I really don't think she will. I really don't think there's any possibility the Dutch the Dutch men's team would appoint her. You never know. It could be very interesting. My guess is the 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 um, U.S. women's national team will will appoint her. That's my guess. That's where I would guess she goes next. I think she will stay with England to try and defend the um, the Euros, and obviously there's there's an Olympics coming up as well next year. So I, I reckon she goes to the Olympics, maybe the Euros, and then maybe goes to America. Um. yeah that'll do that's all I've got I will be back tomorrow uh, tomorrow is nostalgia day so I think I think we're going to Florence tomorrow for our nostalgic trip I think that's where we're going we'll see that's the likelihood is that we're going to Florence but uh 
You should, I might change my mind in the meantime. I will see you all tomorrow, though. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.